The COVID-19 pandemic grounded air travelers around the world for over a year, robbing many of us of the pleasures of packing a bag and getting away from it all. But in this summer of vaccinations and the slow return to something resembling normalcy, our minds can once again drift to wanderlust and new experiences. That's why we thought it was the perfect time to revisit this season of Business Wars, all about the battle between two of the most popular airlines in the U.S., the scrappy, low-cost upstart Southwest, and the corporate behemoth, American Airlines. It is the spring of 1966 in steamy San Antonio, Texas. Two men with booming voices are talking business over whiskey at the bar of the St. Anthony Hotel. 35-year-old Roland King pushes his glass forward. I'll have another scotch. Rocks. King runs an investment company and he's drinking with Herb Kelleher, whose law firm represents King's business interests. Kelleher taps his glass. Another wild turkey. Rocks for me, please. Both men are tall and athletic and transplants to Texas. King gets to the point. Herb, I want to talk to you about this airline idea we discussed the other day. Ah, uh, come on, Bill, let's not. You've already gotten creamed in the airline business. Three years earlier, King bought Wild Goose Flying Service and rebranded it Southwest Airlines. The charter service shuttled San Antonio businessmen around the state. But it failed, and King is salvaging what he can. After I ditch those beachcrafts, I want to build an all-jet service operation that'll compete with Braniff and Texas International and American Airlines. Keller's used to King's oddball business ideas, but this one tops them all. Those fellas might give you a stake on board, but their flights are canceled half the time, and the other half, they lose your bag. But what if we build an airline that'll be just for three cities, San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston? Forget the stakes, we'll be no frills. We'll win on price, convenience, and service. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Rollin' the regulators will never allow it. Air travel in 1967 is in its golden age. Madmen wear their best business outfits and sit in big comfortable seats as smiling stewardesses serve plates of prime rib and refresh their highballs. Airlines can offer all this thanks to the Civil Aeronautics Board. The federal agency controls everything, where and what they can fly and what they can charge for everything from a mixed drink to a seat. Most importantly, it allows airlines to charge very high fares. But King might have found a loophole. There's this outfit, Pacific Southwest Airlines. They only fly intrastate, only within the boundaries of California. That means that the feds have no jurisdiction over them. We can do that here in Texas, too. But if we're going to get this thing off the ground, I need you on board, Herb. You're connected. What he means is that Keller's wife is connected. She's from one of the biggest landowning families in all of Texas. And that's saying something. Rollin, Braniff and the others will flatten you. And how am I supposed to sell this to a bunch of people who know their way around money? Well, Herb, you're my lawyer, so you figure it out. Kelleher gulps the last of his drink. As he walks away, he's thinking, no way this airline is ever gonna fly. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, 
Get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In our six-part series, Southwest versus American Airlines, we'll look at how the bruising dogfight between the more established airlines and the scrappy upstart would not only change the way we fly, but send some airlines crashing to their deaths. You are listening to Episode 1, Clearing the Runway. Rollin King's phone is ringing. It's just a few days after his meeting with Kelleher and those many glasses of scotch. Kelleher's on the line. Rollin, I've been looking into your airline idea and checking federal and state regulations. And I gotta tell you something. Yeah, Herb, what is it? Rollin, you're crazy. Your airline idea is crazy. Now, let's do it anyway. Kelleher, sober as a judge days after that hazy meeting at the St. Anthony Hotel Bar, is finally convinced that King is right. If a low-cost, low-frills carrier can operate without interference from federal regulators in California, then they can do the same in Texas. And if the fares are cheap enough, Kelleher figures Texans would rather fly than drive long hauls between Texas cities. First, though, Kelleher has to convince some of the state's richest men to invest in Air Southwest. That proves to be easier than expected. The investors agree that there's a need in the Texas market for what he's proposing. They also like the idea of owning a company that flies jets. Plus, everyone really likes Herb, who's always ready with a wisecrack and whiskey. Kelleher starts looking for backers by calling John Murkison, co-founder of the Dallas Cowboys and an old pal. Hello? Hey, John, it's Herb. Rollin King and I have this idea for an airline, sort of a commuter airline for Texas. All jets, all intrastate, no federal interference. Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, with very frequent low fare flights. We're raising money. You interested? Hell yes, Herb. I want in. King and Kelleher bring on some of the biggest names in Texas business. They raise $543,000 and incorporate on March 15, 1967. About a year later, the Texas Aeronautical Board certifies Air Southwest to fly within Texas. But the next day, four major airline competitors launch a legal assault 
to stop that from happening. Apollo 10 is transmitting the first color pictures of Earth from space before landing on the moon. As protesters occupy the streets, President Nixon pledges to bring back 25,000 troops from Vietnam. A confrontation between gay rights activists and police outside the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar in Greenwich Village, New York City, escalates into a riot. And at a farm in Bethel, New York, the Woodstock Music Festival features legendary acts of Santana, the Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, and Jimi Hendrix. These events help define an era, and they also speak to the mood in the country. People want to throw out the rules and challenge the establishment. In some ways, it's the perfect climate for an upstart like Southwest, if only it can get in the air. It's been grounded for more than a year thanks to the lawsuits brought by Braniff, TransTexas, and Continental. They have plenty to protect, too. Braniff Airlines has a monopoly on flights between the big cities in Texas. Texas International dominates air service between smaller cities, and Continental flies wherever the other two don't. They're all hemmed in by federal regulation, but not Air Southwest. With that advantage, Southwest should be in a position to soar past competitors. That would be a whole lot easier if Southwest actually had some planes to fly. Trouble is, the airline has burned through most of its half a million in seed money fighting lawsuits. King summons his board for a meeting. The mood is glum. John Murkison speaks first. Gentlemen, we fought a good fight. But these other airlines are set on bleeding us to death and we don't have much blood left. Most in the room nod in agreement. Kelleher does not. Listen, everyone, I know this looks bad, but this is a legal battle. I'm convinced we can win on appeal, and we need to win. All we're trying to do is offer Texas superior air transportation at a low price. Kelleher knows he's asking his backers to buck the establishment, to break the airline's grip on Texas. But that's the zeitgeist in America at the time. Our competitors think they can tie us up with lawsuits. That's a perversion of what America's supposed to be about. I want free enterprise to work. I want to win. Now, if you agree to let me keep trying, I'll work for free. I'll pay the court costs right out of my own pocket until we do win. The board votes. Air Southwest will fight. Eighteen long legal months later, Kelleher wins a ruling from the Texas Supreme Court. The bigger carriers appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, but in December 1970, it declines to overturn the Texas ruling. Southwest wins. It's a remarkable legal battle, but it could be a Pyrrhic victory. Southwest has $143 in the bank and owes more than $100,000. Still, it is in business, at least theoretically. They need a team. The recession of the 1970s put a lot of good people out of work, and word is out that Southwest is open for business. By January 1971, 
Lamar Muse, an airline industry veteran, is president of Air Southwest. Muse puts $50,000 of his own cash into the company and raises more than $2 million. He also renames the company Southwest Airlines. And then the mad dash begins. It's early spring of 1971. Southwest is supposed to launch its first flight within two months. A mechanic has just arrived at his new job, having just been laid off, like many early Southwest employees, by bankrupt Purdue Airlines. The mechanic and a team are trying to open the doors at the lone hangar Southwest has leased at Love Field. The company made a strategic decision to operate from a not-so-busy airport just a short drive from downtown Dallas. What in the world? The hangar is a relic from the 1940s. The mechanic is pushing on the doors, but they don't budge. This thing is rusted shut. The tracks are full of sand. It takes two days to pry open the building's 40-foot-tall doors. Meanwhile, another former Purdue Airline employee is having a different kind of problem, training stewardesses. There aren't any. So, Muse runs a print ad aimed at a woman Playboy has been pursuing for years. It's titled, An Open Letter to Raquel Welch. The newspaper ad reads, Ms. Welch, you typify the girls we're looking for. Warm, personable, and great-looking in hot pants. If you know of any other girls like you, at least 20 years old, 20-50 vision without glasses, between 5'2 and 5'7, 100 to 135 pounds who are high school graduates, preferably with college training, would you please ask them to send us a brief statement of qualifications in a recent photograph? 1,200 applications pour in for just 38 available jobs. On June 15, 1971, Muse meets with a reporter to crow about what they've accomplished. Within just three months, we've bought three planes, leased gates at three airports, contracted with jet fuel and other suppliers, launched an ad campaign, and hired and trained 21 pilots, 42 support personnel, nine ramp agents, and 38 hostesses. But I'm probably forgetting some things. That's impressive, but what are you planning to do about the new restraining order that Braniff has obtained against you? Huh? What restraining order? The one that says you won't be allowed to fly on June 18th? This is breaking news to the Southwest president. He abruptly ends the interview and speeds to Love Field, where Kelleher will be arriving from Washington before flying on to San Antonio. He spots Kelleher in the crowd and rushes to him. Herb, you gotta get to Austin. There's another injunction and we go into service on the 18th. What? I don't even have a change of clothes, Lamar. <sighs> okay, fine. Need to get a ticket on Braniff to Austin. No, you don't. One of our planes is on the tarmac right now. You get on that. We'll route it to Austin. Get yourself in front of the Supreme Court there and come up with some damn thing to tell them. Okay, Lamar, I'll figure it out. I hope you will, but Herb, if it doesn't work, if the sheriff shows up here on the 18th with some kind of restraining order, what do you recommend we do? Lamar, if the sheriff shows up, you push that first flight out on top of him. Roll right over that son of a bitch and leave tire marks on his back. It's been four years. This has gone on long enough. Just get the damn plane in the air. After a night at the law library, Keller doesn't come up with much legal fodder, so he just reminds the court that they've already ruled in Southwest's favor. That works. 
19 hours later, the captain and first officer are shaking hands with Dallas's deputy mayor on the tarmac at Love Field. This is all the pomp and circumstance the inaugural flight will see. There are no marching bands, no banners, no champagne corks popping, but also no sheriff. Three flight attendants board the Boeing 737. There are just two paying passengers and one piece of checked luggage in the cargo hold. The near-empty plane takes off at 7 a.m. right on time. Southwest Airlines is finally aloft. The owners and crew are ecstatic, but the excitement is short-lived. It won't be long before the airline hits serious turbulence. You know, I love anything that makes my life a little easier. Remote health checkups, curbside grocery pickup, takeout delivered right to my door. Your customers have grown to expect a simpler way of doing business, no matter your product. Which is why more than 90,000 local businesses of all sizes have turned to Podium. Podium makes doing business as easy as sending a text. Because when texts get opened, business gets done. With Podium, your employees can text from a single inbox offering a smoother experience for your customers. Answering questions? Send a text. Collecting reviews? Send a text. Payment collection? Just send a text. Home service providers using Podium are responding faster and winning more jobs than their competition because texting lets you get back in touch faster. If you're the first to reply, well, you're way more likely to get the job. And retailers are increasing revenue by allowing customers to shop via text message. In fact, a jeweler just sold a $5,000 ring with a few text messages and even coordinated curbside pickup with Podium. Today's customers expect on-demand everything, even from local businesses. Stay ahead of the competition with Podium. They have free plans for growing businesses, plus all the power growing businesses need to scale. Get started free today at Podium.com BW. That's Podium.com slash BW. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. It's the Sunday after the inaugural flight and Roland King is in the co-pilot seat for the first morning flight from Love Field to Houston. Over Muse's three-month sprint to get Southwest Airlines operational. King has changed titles to allow Muse more freedom to run the company as he sees fit. King is no longer CEO, but executive vice president of operations and a board member. He's also become certified to co-pilot a 737 and has decided to work on a regular flight crew. King, sitting in the first officer's seat, flips a couple of switches and the Pratt & Whitney engines spin to a roar in the early morning Texas heat. The ground crew guides the plane to the runway. The pilot pushes the throttle forward and the plane speeds ahead. 
King calls out the pre-flight checklist to the captain. Thrust set, 80 knots. V1, rotate. The flight's in the air. Suddenly, the plane is yanked to the right like a dog on a leash. King shouts, reverse thruster deployed! And it's creating a huge aerodynamic drag on one side of King's plane. It's like having one engine push forward while the other pulls it back. If the thruster can't be closed, the plane can't climb. The pilot contacts the control tower. Mayday, we've got a malfunctioning thruster. Can you please clear a runway? The plane turns back quickly, lands safely, and no one is hurt. The reverse thruster is checked. It was deployed during maintenance the night before, closed manually, and not fully locked in place. It is an inauspicious start. Southwest's director of flight operations, an American Airlines veteran, responds by ramping up all the airline's safety procedures. Just months after King's scare, in August of 1971, Muse, King, and the board meet to vote on a plan to accept delivery of a fourth Boeing 737-200. Boeing is giving them a million-dollar break on the plane, as it did with the airline's first three planes. But it's still a big risk for a money-losing air carrier. Muse pushes the long view. We're losing money at this point, but a fourth aircraft at a cost of $4 million will allow us to offer more frequent service between Dallas and Houston. These men are pretty unflappable, but one oil man is shaking his head. We're losing our shirts already, Lamar. We're averaging 17 passengers per flight at $20 per passenger. We need 38 paying customers on each flight to break even. But we can't even do that. And now, you want to buy another plane? Man, it makes no sense. I won't be a party to it. The rest of the board likes the idea of more frequent service and votes in favor of buying the new plane. The oil man quits the board. The fourth plane arrives in October. Southwest's finances immediately go into a tailspin. There just aren't enough passengers to cover the costs of four planes. By April 1972, the situation is dire. Muse comes up with a desperate solution. Southwest can sell one plane to make payroll. It can serve its current schedule with just three planes if it can turn its planes at the gate, meaning unload passengers, then load new passengers and refuel much faster. How fast? 10 minutes. Other airlines, after a whole lot of tinkering, have whittled their turnaround time down to 25 minutes. Everyone is thinking the same thing. It's impossible. Bill Franklin, the airline's gruff 45-year-old vice president of operations, believes it can be done. He explains his plan to an incredulous ground crew. Okay, now our planes will pull up near the gate, but far enough away that they can simply drive away without being pushed by a tug. Instead of gate bridges, passengers will board and deplane using stairs at both the front and the rear of the plane. Departing passengers will be lined up on the tarmac even before the plane arrives. So soon as one group gets off, another one gets on. Bags will be unloaded and reloaded even before all the arriving passengers are off the plane. Tires and systems will be checked while fuel is being added. And as soon as the last new passengers on board, whether they're seated or not, hostesses will close the cabin doors, 
and the plane will taxi. <laughs> Bill, that's insane. There's no way all of that can be done in ten minutes. Oh, yeah? Well, if you can't turn these planes in ten minutes, I'm going to fire all of you. Then I'll go out and hire another group of guys. And if they can't do it, I'll fire them too. I'll keep on firing people until I find someone who can do it. This is the only way to save Southwest Airlines. Ladies and gentlemen, Southwest Airlines welcomes you to Houston. We'll be at our gate momentarily. There will be two stairwells today that you'll use to deplane. One is at the front of the aircraft, the other at the rear. There's a moment of confusion among passengers who aren't accustomed to exiting in two directions. Okay, sir, here's your bag. Head right that way. Sandra, I've got to get these seats clean. Can, can you get those seat belts crossed? Captain, can you toss this trash into that bin? Passengers get off in record time, and so do the passengers getting on. Within weeks of nailing the 10-minute turn, Muse checks the stats. Online departures are improving. Its first flight had two passengers. By the end of 1972, the airline boards 300,000 passengers. Southwest is finally on a clear path toward profitability. Its rivals see the threat Southwest poses and begin circling the fledgling airline, looking for its weak spot. They know Southwest's reserves are growing, but the company still can't match their war chests. On the next episode, Southwest's competitors try to shoot their new rival out of the sky with rock-bottom fares. Southwest's response? Well, let's just say for a while, Southwest Airlines was fueled by booze. From Wondery, this is episode one of Southwest versus American for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen one week early and ad-free. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey and tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they're based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Joe Guinto wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor, produced by Emily Frost. Kate Young is our associate producer. Our producer is Dave Schilling, sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie, created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondery. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself, you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say, good. 
because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.